episode two. Two. How's it been? How's life? How's the week? Chaos. Yeah. School. Well, I feel like we're past the chaos of the beginning of the school year, but now we have entered the chaos of extracurricular activities, tests, homework, getting in the groove of that. Like the fun and games are over. We're into the real stuff now. Like tests. Yeah, a lot of studying. Yeah, we were the same. Augustine has his first, like, test ever on Friday. Oh, Now it's like five words and, you know, a couple of things. But I'm like, I I was not a good studier at all. Uh, I never did study. So, like, I don't even know how to make my child study. My best friend is, was always like you. I think we talked about this last time. My best friend is, like, was valedictorian. She was the, she's, like, nerd and, like, psycho about it and that's why she was so good at everything but um her little girls in our in augustine's class and so i was like asking her i was like what are y'all doing to study for the test she's like i'm making her write it and do it like she's like saying all these things i'm like oh okay (laughs) so i texted jonah uh augustine's dad and i was like augustine has a test on friday make sure you know the words (laughs) it's accurate yeah just like last friday this is like our week last friday um at like four o'clock the teacher sent out an email and was like sorry your child's class has an outbreak of lice oh no i read it and it wasn't my weekend so i texted joe and i was like saw the email good luck (laughs) (laughs) the the perks of like having two households you like go ahead have fun with it but he was fine everybody was fine no lice to report but god i know I know you say, like, homework is kind of traumatizing for all of you at your house. It, it's just a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. They really, I mean, if I'm struggling, like, the the questions are so much critical thinking is required. If I'm struggling to figure out what the right answer is, my fourth grader who could not care less about any of he's the schoolwork. No. Yeah. No. He's done. So I would be like, poor thing. I know. We just it's been chaos. It's we have not we don't have one free weekend mm-hmm. until twenty twenty four. Legitimately. And so all fun things, right? Like we go into the Astros game, we're getting married. We're like, there's a lot of fun yeah. events, but literally not one free weekend until 2024. Oh my god! So it's just been wild. It's fun. And I hate even saying it, but there was some beauty in the COVID shutdown when you couldn't do anything like slowness yes it like it forced you to stay home and take everything off your calendar which was kind of nice i know no obligations no pressure to have obligations we could just like spend time together and slow pace yeah i know i was telling zach that the other night we need to stay home more i need to be able to think, mm-hmm. you know, especially like thinking about as things come up and I'm like, oh, I would love to like pray about that or reflect on that or talk about it on the podcast, like to write down my thoughts or whatever. We're at such a high, fast mm-hmm. pace that you don't have time for those moments to develop. 
And this morning I was in the Adoration Chapel and I was reflecting on what we we're going to talk about in just this last week. And I texted Father Sibley and I was, I told him, I said, I feel the most like myself whenever I get to spend the morning with my cup of coffee in the Adoration Chapel. And I think the, the reason for that, I was kind of thinking about like, why does that make me feel like myself? Because, you know, I just wanted to know what I was identifying with mm-hmm. and I obviously the Eucharist, but I think a lot of it was the slowness, just a time to be able to reflect on thoughts, especially thoughts that have been like bothering me mm-hmm. or needing to hash out. And just that moment just to be a little bit, mm-hmm. it gave me a little bit of life. I was like, man, you would think this is something you would do more regularly, but we don't because we let everything else go by. When I tell you, it's so funny that you're bringing this up because you know how randomly you'll have these Holy Spirit things that just keep hitting you across the head over and over and over until you finally just listen to it. Right now, what I keep what keeps getting thrown in front of me is that I need to sit in silence. There was a, I listened to Hallow app in the morning and this week, one of the episodes was all about the importance of sitting in silence. And I know that it's something that I need to do, but I have so much trouble not filling in every ounce of time with noise. And it's just noise. Like, it's not even always productive. Even if I'm driving in my car, I'm putting a podcast or Mm -hmm. even I listen to a lot of true crime and legal stuff. And I'll just, I'm zoning out, but there's noise in the background. And um, so I've been trying to make a more, not doing a very good job at it, but I've got to carve out more silent time. And she talked about that specifically about how you need that time for your own thoughts mm-hmm. and to because if you don't ever stop and allow the silence you're never giving yourself a chance to really hear what god has to tell you yeah and then this morning i started thinking i need to go on a silent retreat which sounds like a nightmare good to luck me finding one really yeah it's hard a good one Oh, well, I mean, what I mean, is I there to do? Find, I can probably find like a lot of good references, but it's really hard to find really? a, a good one. I thought one. there was one locally. They do. They have one, like they do them at the Abbey in New Orleans, I think, or Covington. I can't remember where. It's like the Jesuits. The Jesuits Center. one does one, um, but it's really hard to find it like for what you're looking like looking for, or it's like one time a year, so it's not... Mm. I was really looking... For an engaged retreat to go on, like, Zach and I, like, through this process. And that's really hard. The only, like, one that people said was, like, worthwhile was one time in February. So, if you miss oh. it, you're out. And, obviously, we weren't engaged in February. So, you know. We had to go to an engaged retreat. Mm-mm. We had it to It depends either... on your church. Oh, because we had to either yeah. do a retreat or get, like, a couple to do a marriage prep. Yes. Yeah. And we did the, the diet, the diocese. And this is where I can go on my tangent. If Zach was listening, he'd be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> SOS, escape this. But the diocese only requires an engaged couple to do at the minimum 
eight hours or a day where you go to the diocese and you listen to a speaker and they talk about whatever. There's a, there's a couple of different ones. And it's all, it's all on their website and stuff. It's like, like specific, but that's the only thing they require a day of it, eight to five or whatever it is. So all the rest of the stuff is parish specific? Parish or like pre-specific. Because we had to do an NFP course. Too. Yeah, that's not technically oh, the requirement. Wow. And so, but this is my tangent because coming from someone that has been married in the church, been divorced, going through the two-year annulment process, which I'm sure we would get into at one point, which I love and it was beautiful and it was painful and it was aggravating at the same time, to going backwards and getting married again in the Catholic Church, you would think as much emphasis as everybody puts on that, you know, marriages are important and families are important and we do a bad job of staying together and, you know, all of that. And as much that goes into the annulment process and the healing process, we don't do a a very good job of like prepping people to enter into that sacrament. Mm -hmm. We don't. And there's a whole lot of reasons for it. Probably the biggest one is resources, but I'm like, that's, it's, that's where it like frustrating because six hours in a day will not cut it because anybody can go sit there, play on their phones, twiddle their thumbs for six hours. If anybody has gone through a couple marriage prep, you would know like how extensive it is and how much you can really get into some Mm -hmm. family issues, some financial issues, some like nothing that's probably going to break up a marriage, but, or a potential marriage, but give couples something to chew on and prepare for. Not all churches do that. Now you get your good ones and probably the ones that have like your cathedrals or wisdom where people want to get married because the church is beautiful and they probably have more of a sophisticated, but our case, Holy Cross, it's not the prettiest church. (laughs) So they probably don't get very many requests to like get married there. And they have a short altar. I mean, a um, uh, walkway. Walkway, yes. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, aisle. <laughs> <laughs> they were just kind of indifferent about it. I'm like, don't be indifferent about it. Like we, and so good thing Father Sibley was, he said that he wanted us to do X, Y, Z, even though we wanted to, and we are, but it's just like kind of frustrating. And mm-hmm. so this is a whole thing about one day, I hope that, I can do something along those lines. Like I can facilitate facilitate that? something. I've always like wanted to do retreats and stuff. If you can only make money doing retreats in the Catholic church, that would be up my alley, but doing something for engaged couples. Cause I just don't think you have enough mm-hmm. and it just, there's needs to be more. There's Gosh. A- and the retreat that Daniel and I went on was for the weekend and it was awesome. Like, we both were not thrilled about going, and the accommodations were not great because we were at ABC Uh where they do acts, but we were in the bunk rooms, like, with the bunk beds. Like, with And the community showers. Yeah, they split the men and women up. Yeah. So, I slept with the lights on because I was scared of (laughs) bugs, Uh, but... But, like, the meat of the retreat was phenomenal. We both left that weekend. This was awesome. Were y'all, at that point, already, like, in y'all's faith or not so much? No. 
I, think- I mean, I was. Daniel. Daniel's a convert. So um, he went through RCIA once we got engaged. So maybe when we oh, did... I forgot about that. The retreat, he... He may not have even been Catholic yet. I don't remember the exact timeline. And that's the thing. So being a product of, I had a very strong upbringing in my faith, especially in my formation in high school. and But also being a product of Our Lady of Wisdom, we were spoiled when it came to formation and retreats. And so for us and I say us because I know I'm not the only ones and it's important to draw that distinction because it it does matter where you are in your your spiritual life and your journey it matters where you go next and so like I think for me even like the acts retreat I say it over and over again acts retreat didn't do a whole lot for me because (laughs) I had already went over that hill I'd already had a conversion I'd already actively been what the ash tree did for me was the lord gave me an opportunity to be an instrument in other people's lives and that was life-changing for me Mm -hmm. because i never realized how blessed i was or how much people would be quote-unquote inspired or fed in a sense by some of the things that i had to offer like discussions or even teaming it Mm -hmm. so it we all play a part, but it kind of just depends on where you're at. Yeah. And I think for marriage prep specifically, there's things that cater to people that maybe are just into their, like just getting into their faith or not in at all. But for people that have already crossed that bridge and wanting to go deeper and wanting to learn more about the sacrament of marriage in a, like a mm-hmm. sacramental way, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot. And, I'm saying this, but I don't even have that information to offer. It's something that I would like love to learn about and, you know, get to know too. One of the most beautiful explanations of marriage as a sacrament, I was told by Father Michael Delcom, who is currently at Sacred Heart and Broussard. The conversation came about because we were talking about natural family planning, Daniel and I were really struggling with the concept of NFP. More so Daniel as a Catholic convert, just not understanding like what is the purpose of this. And so I um, scheduled a lunch with the priest who we didn't know to talk about very intimate things. Because that is your (laughs) type A personality to take that head on and be like, okay, I will solve this problem. We're We're going to fix this this up real quick. (laughs) So um, we went to lunch and I mean, he blew us both away. And Daniel went into the lunch very negative and rolling his eyes, you know, but then walked out convicted. Wow. Yeah. And so I was telling my prayer group at the time, and I said, maybe he'll come as like a guest to our prayer group and give us this talk. And uh, Yvonne 
B Avenue um, was in that group with me. And so we did. I invited him and he, I fed him. I feel like if you feed priests, oh, they they'll come. come. Yeah. Yeah. They're like and, kids. Yeah. And so he came and, and gave his little spiel and it was beautiful and I couldn't what do it any justice. But it just talked a lot about the importance of god and the holy spirit being at the center of your marriage and the importance of there not ever being a barrier between spouses i told him i'm like you need to shout this from the rooftops because it just it was good you know just and and i wish that that the church as a whole talked about that more like, I, I think that there's not a lot of support for what you said. I never thought about that before for for couples who are engaged. But then I feel like there's also not a lot of support for couples who are married. Yeah, especially is hard. Especially is in really those hard. first years when you're like really in the trenches just trying to figure it out, figure this person out, and then introduce babies. And, you know, it's just, it's... A whole lot and it's really hard (laughs) but so what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned in marriage along those lines just in general yeah like between like between you and Daniel that it is absolutely about making a conscious choice every single day to love that person and to be a spouse to that person and be a friend to that person. And if you allow your feelings to dictate your marriage, it will not last very long because the good feelings and the fun kind of rainbows and butterflies go away really fast. (laughs) And I think, I think too, as you get older, it goes away quicker. Oh yeah. Well, because you know, like you're in adult world with adult problems. And that's now. That was hard for me because so my first marriage, I got married at 21, and it was college, right out of college, and so we were young. I would never trade it for the world. I, you know, like I stand by my decisions, and I don't like to chalk it up to being young because I think that's a silly explanation but the second one I am 29 yeah I'm 29 but Zach is 37 he's but we're old what I meant by what I mean by that is just we're older we're have full jobs I have a seven-year-old we have our own house notes we have you know we're more into the world and I think too like I've also have experienced marriage before and so I know some of these things that you don't quite understand in, until mm-hmm. you're in it. That was hard for me because I felt like the honeymoon phase was over in like a week. Before it started. Because <laughs> you go into it just more aware, more aware of just life in general, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not so naive. Ignorance is a bliss. Mm-hmm. It truly is a, a yeah. bliss. And so I, I know what you mean by like, it goes way fast. And I think as you get older, it goes way quicker. Yeah, and I feel society wants you to really believe 
that marriage is one way and it could not be farther from the reality of what it's really like. And so it's so easy to get sucked into this feeling like my marriage is terrible because it doesn't look like what I see on social media or what I see on TV or in movies or Or what you thought it was going to be like. Right. Because of all of those things. And then it's like, what now? I I heard two things about that. One, I was like, saw a TikTok, a reel that like kind of said, whenever you feel like you're not getting from the your spouse or your significant other, like you're not getting what you need. So you're building up a lot of resentment or frustration because you're hurting and you need stuff from them. Give more to them mm-hmm. in that moment. Like in those moments when you feel like you're not receiving and you should be, whether it's true or not, go the extra step of putting more into the relationship. I like that. And it sounds so silly. I was talking to one of my girlfriends about that because she was, you know, we were talking about the her struggles currently, you know, marriage is a mm-hmm. roller coaster. And I'd said that, but even in my own, like Zach and I aren't married yet, but in even in relationships, I think it's probably fair to say about all relationships, the minute you start giving more you kind of forget about what you're not getting Mm -hmm. and then i think it's i don't know the answer of why it works because i'm not like a psychologist or anything but it almost filled in like in my experience it fills in his insecurities or his emptiness Mm -hmm. and then in return has more to offer back Mm -hmm. you know it's like Because a lot of times when you're not getting what you need from the other person, it's probably because they also feel the same way about you. Yeah. You know? And so, like, if you fulfill something that they're needing, they're likely going to fulfill it back to you. And that was, like, very eye-opening to me. And it's crazy that I saw it. See, Instagram could be good for something. But I saw it, and then, like, it, it convicted my heart a little bit. Because I know for me, the minute I start feeling like I'm not getting what I need or what I want. I start being a little passive aggressive or <laughs> short or cause I'm trying to, it's like, I'm trying to wave a flag of like, I'm mad or I'm not like, you're not good enough. Like do something about it. Right. And so it's a terrible trait I have I'm trying to wave this flag so he can see it and change his actions. But in return, I just need to change mine and then it fixes the whole problem. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Makes sense. We have gone to couples therapy on and off for years and it wasn't intentional therapy. Me too. I do love therapy. It wasn't intentional. It, it had started off. He needed some help with like stress management and et cetera. And then the therapist pulled me in and then it quickly morphed into couples therapy and it ended up being phenomenal for us, even though it was very on early on in our marriage. And our therapist, I remember at the time told us that a lot of the things that we were kind of dealing with in therapy were small things and they really were small things. But he said, what you don't realize is a lot of people don't deal with these small things and it's like bricks and, and they just build and build and build. And 
now suddenly all these small things are this giant wall that you have to overcome. And so if more people would take advantage of seeking out help therapy, a group, you know, anything, you can kind of deal with some of those things. To figure out what those bricks are. Because like you said, not everybody has the same problems. No. We are all infinitely unique. And so we come from all crazy backgrounds. And so marriage problems, relationship problems, personal problems will not be the same. Right. And it's just that. I read a quote that also convicted my heart of it's not you against that person. It's you and that person against the problem. Yeah. And a lot of times there's this problem, maybe this small brick, maybe not even a brick. Maybe it's like a pebble, but you're at combat about this pebble against each other, forgetting that the pebble is the problem, Right. you know, not, Hey Mallory, let's try to figure out what this like what to do about this rock. Mm-hmm. But, and then it just hurts the person instead of fixing the problem. Well, I know I'm sure that you equally deal with the same issue in that. What men? Well, we're not the type of females who are going to back down. Surrender. And on the contrary, we will fight to the death. <laughs> so at all costs. <laughs> So sometimes... I'm never wrong. Exactly. Me either. Pretty much always right. But you know what? If I'm arguing about it, it's because I know I'm right. Yes. But on... (laughs) Okay. On a pause. For real. I am usually pretty right. Like, I... Because if you're convicted about something, it's probably because you've done the research. Or or experienced it before. Right. And so you're going to push because... You know, you're. I'm not going to argue with you if I, if I even have the smallest doubt that maybe I'm unsure. I'm not going to battle. Oh, over I'll it. die on it. I will. Even die if you think you it. could be wrong, uh, I'll probably like preface it by like I don't know, maybe about but, but I won't let it rest. See if I'm if I'm if I'm like I'm not giving in. It depends it's on the gravity. I no, that but I'm right. I also have this weird trait where I know a lot of random crap. And Zach hates when I use the word crap. Um, I just didn't really want to use a curse word. Anyway, I know a lot of random stuff and I say things so convicted and half the time I don't know what I'm talking about, but people like believe me because I'm so like sure about it. I know exactly. So I just kind of go with it sometimes. I'm like, I don't sound good. <laughs> Especially like in meetings or something when I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I just like act like I do and people are just like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Told ya. (laughs) But see, this is the beauty about marrying someone that's like you. We talked about that. So my, my previous marriage and a lot of my relationships prior was always with people that did not match my level of intenseness. Or convictedness. Conviction, yeah. Um, or hard-headedness. <laughs> you so, found your match. I know. <laughs> right? Golly. So, like, I always kind of just, whenever I said things, it just, that's where it, it lied. Right. Whether it was true or not, whether that person thought it was true or not. With Zach, that's a whole other story because he actually calls out my bullshit or... He some, but I mean, he goes some like 
it can be a problem sometimes because we both are like not surrendering. But what I've learned through Zach is that while I might be right, and most of the time I am, you have to consider what other people don't know. And it's okay if they don't know it and they don't have the capacity to receive it. And I think that is a big thing for me that I've learned a lot over the last couple of years is that not everybody has the same capacity to receive certain things Mm -hmm. or they're not there yet or they don't understand it or they simply don't know it and wouldn't know it because they never had to go through anything of the sort or whatever. And so while I'm here, like fighting for something that I'm convicted by or that I know it's true or I know it's right or I know it's going to be good for them or for us or for me, I'm not really being kind because that person just doesn't have the ability to do anything with it. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's where I fall. Like it's not necessarily the hardheadedness. It's not knowing when, when to or how to meet that person where they are where they are and that's a big lesson for me that was hard and still is that's a really good point i don't think i've ever thought about it like that before our i mean our therapist has always told us exactly what you said earlier like y'all need to remember you're on the same team and you're not competing against each other over who's right right and that that's been because it also makes it a little more complicated that we're in the same field and we work together. So. All day, every day. Right. Yeah. I think, too, a big one is like knowing how, because I do think our society and the way that we're raised in our humanness, we don't know how to forgive someone. Mm-hmm. We might say we do, and we might say it in the on like, oh, I forgive you, but we don't know how to forgive deeply mm-hmm. and forgive in a way that our hearts are no longer burdened by whatever hurt us oh see i feel like marriage has taught me how and to it forgive. probably does because that's my point of like you have to you know. have to and so for a little while x he never really hurt me he didn't really like do much to me well okay let me take that back. Yeah. <laughs> you hurt me badly. But I'm saying in the course of every day, yeah. because I was the one that was so strong, I usually just dictated whatever. And so with like with Zach, Zach lashes out at me sometimes or back at me, let's say. And sometimes it hurts my feelings. Or he does in his own type A strong, combative personality like like me could be hurtful sometimes just like I'm sure I'm hurtful at times and I've had to learn how to actively forgive someone Mm -hmm. for doing that like I hope someone would forgive me because when it comes down to it we didn't we didn't mean to right you know and it wasn't that and so I think marriage would teach you that because you have no choice but to forgive but if you don't learn how to deeply forgive you're just going to build up a bunch of resentment and it's going to be miserable for everybody sometimes if we're arguing about something or if or daniel say you know when do i do that or when have i done that 
Like he wants a very specific example. And my response is always, I can't give you one because I've had to move on. If I kept tallies of every time you did that thing, I don't think we would still be married. You know, I've had to move on from that. I cannot dwell because we got too much other stuff going on. And and the reality (laughs) is, is that for every single time that Daniel hurt you, You've hurt him. Oh, yeah. And so that's just the reality. Yeah. Of course, there's ex- exceptions to the rule of abuse and, you know, yeah. all. But in a normal, healthy marriage, even semi-healthy, we don't have a choice but to hurt the other person because mm-hmm. that's just simply what we do. Our sinfulness hurts people. You know, I go back through Sister Miriam mm-hmm. and is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And her quote that I live by, which Mallory knows, but for you, it's, Suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. And it go it's so applicable in every single thing. And in marriage, it's like a big thing. Because suffering doesn't have to be physical suffering. It doesn't have to even be like this big, heavy, emotional suffering. It could be the little things. It could be the suffering of not feeling good enough or not feeling wanted or desired like in a marriage. Like the, the smallest sufferings. If it's not transformative, like if it doesn't do something in your heart or if you don't take it and absorb it and, you know, allow the Lord to basically flush it out of you, it's going to be transmitted. And that's where it gets transmitted to. It gets Mm -hmm. transmitted in resentment, in lashing out, passive aggressiveness to your your kid, my poor Mm -hmm. kid. Like it's there. Like it never, the Lord never says do X, Y, Z and you won't ever hurt or you will never sin. It, It that's not what he says. He says, I'm here whenever those things happen and I want to do it with you mm-hmm. and I want to help you through it, but I'm not taking it away. Right. But it's there. So you just have to learn how to go with it. And I think that is the most freeing concept to me. When you when you really think about it and sit down and reflect on it of how freeing forgiveness is, because you know we hear all the time, Forgiveness is not for that other person. It's for yourself. Mm-hmm. Who cares at that point? I'm like, they don't care. It's not impacting you them. It's impacting you. Like, you're the one carrying it, and it's hurting you. So forgiveness is for you, and it's so freeing. It's freeing to know that forgiveness disarms you, like, that it, it frees you. Mm-hmm. But also, it's freeing to know that Jesus doesn't expect us to not be this way because if he expected us to not be this way and to not sin to not hurt people then there wouldn't be the sacrament of confession Mm -hmm. you know so like he knows that it's reality and that it's going to happen which is why he gives us such a good gift Uh, so it's freeing to know that i don't have to be perfect i don't have to live my life which for us, you know, that's like... <laughs> I'm nodding and thinking internally. Because like, that's a big deal. Like for me, it's like, oh, in order for me to have this marriage that lives up to what I think it should be or what everybody tells me it should be or what the Lord wants, it has to be perfect. It has to have no arguments. It has to have, you know, no flaws. Like it has to do all these things. And even in my personal life, like Reagan it, For you to be the saint that the Lord's calling you, you can't cuss. You can't, like, hurt people. You can't do all the things that you struggle with on a daily basis, but that's not it. That's not it. The Lord never asks us 
to be perfect. And like for someone like me and someone like you that is wired to be perfect is so freeing to contemplate. Yeah. Marriage. We did not think we were going down the marriage rabbit hole today. This was not supposed to be about marriage at all, but here we are. Here we are. The beauty of it. This is what, it's so much fun. It's exciting to see where the next episodes are going to go. I like that it's just a natural evolution of conversation, you know? So if you have any fun marriage advice or struggles or questions or conversation starters we would love to hear them send us a message um even about forgiveness i would love to go down the forgiveness rabbit hole more i could talk a lot i know you can talk a lot about forgiveness (laughs) um so if that's something that you think you guys would want to talk about more just let us know we're here we're excited Maybe that can be our next episode. Forgiveness. Yeah. That might have to be like a two-part. I know. Oh, man. Know that we're praying for you. Like Father Father Schmidt says, Father Mike Schmidt says, we're praying for you. Pray for us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) This time we didn't leave you hanging. (laughs) No.